Hello and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, recorded in my bedroom while nervously looking at the ceiling in the hope that the neighbours don't have another party. It is the podcast that genuinely feels there is nothing worse in this world than setting a goalkeeper to roll it out and then catching him kicking it long. It's the last show of the series and what a journey it's been. From a standing start and without a penny spent on marketing, we've built up a fantastic audience and the most unanimously positive set of reviews I've ever seen on any podcast. And believe me, I've launched a few. Listener, that success belongs to you. You listened, you subscribed, you rated, you reviewed, and you, Tom Caldwell 10, you wrote in your review, if Mr. Athletic is reading this, please continue this podcast. Tom, Mr. Athletic read it. Mr. Athletic renewed it. We go again. In fact, we go again right from next week. No point in hanging around. So, what can you expect from season two? Well, we listen to you and your comments, and as a result of that, the show is going to be a little bit longer and a little less frantic. We'll still be talking to the biggest brains at Sports Interactive, but we'll also be speaking to people in the community as well. And, and more on this in future episodes, we'll be launching the first Football Manager show, Football Manager Challenge, where real prizes can be won. Today, though, we are all about second seasons. How do you do yours? Do you actually sit there and watch international tournaments? Do you strip everything down and start again? With all of that in mind, it's time to introduce our guest today, the TIFO megamind himself, Mr. Alex Stewart. Hello, Ian. Hello, and hello also to my cat, General Zod, whose um, <laughs> paw I can see sneaking under the gap in the door in a sort of gremlin-style way. Um, if you hear screaming, you, you'll, you'll know why. That cat's a bastard. How are you? Are you keeping busy? Uh, I I'm keeping very busy. Yes, indeed. Um, lots of TIFO videos, uh, and as I'm sure we'll talk about some Football Manager as well later this afternoon. We will complete the games required for episode one of the new FM Challenge, which you'll be able to read about on the Athletic. If you've never seen one of these before, I don't know where you've been. They're all over the internet. Um, we set ourselves a challenge and we hurl ourselves in. Now, Alex and I have spoken on previous shows about how we've been Arsenal and Liverpool and Celtic and Rangers and, and the tears we've shared and the scars we wear today. Uh, this time, uh, we are going to the Bundesliga. Uh, we're doing that for a few reasons. Uh, one, that it's fully licensed, so we've got all of the images. And, and two, that means that certain influential people will be able to retweet it without getting in any kind of trouble. Alex, uh, what what... What kind of shit pie have you been served up here? I'm actually quite pleased. Um, so Stuttgart uh, is the team, and it's an exciting team. There's some really, really good players. Um, from the most recent set of sensible transfer videos, uh, Wataro Endo, the Japanese defensive midfielder, and also a throwback to uh, last summer's sensible transfers, Borna Sosa, the Croatian left-back, is, is good. Um, obviously, the headliners are Nicolas Gonzalez and Silas Wamangitaku, um, which is well not a name I'm going to try and say all that often. I might just call him Silas. But he is a fantastic attacking right winger, incredibly quick. He's got 10 goals in the Bundesliga uh, IRL for Stuttgart. Uh, and so I'm, I'm constructing a side that's full of pace and promise and attacking talent. I'm going to be honest, it already sounds like an Alex Stewart like three seasons deep team 
<laughs> well, it's. I think it, it's it's got a nice balance. There are some good, solid players in central midfield. Um, I'm also a big fan of Mark Oliver Kempf, who's a, a ball-playing centre-back. But up front, it's mostly younger players. Um, I, I'm I'm undecided about my left winger at the moment. That's that's the only area that's given me problems because there are a variety of players that I can I can stick there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, a side that's predicated on pressing, quick transitions, keeping a nice solid uh, middle kind of three of the two centre backs and a defensive midfielder, and then letting the rest of them just go for it. Um, and preseason has been promising. Now, Stuttgart, I think I'm right in saying, were in the first ever Champions League where they met Leeds United. I think I'm right in saying it might have been the last ever European Cup. Either way, there, there is some pedigree there. There's a great big 60,000-seater stadium. What, what's a realistic um, ambition there over the next three seasons? Um, well, I mean, if you go off what the board is expecting it's kind of consolidation because Stuttgart were promoted from Bundesliga to uh, last season. So I think if if we're going for sort of comfortable mid-table, um, developing some of those young players uh, and then taking stock at the end of the first season, which is a almost perfect segue into what we're talking about later, isn't it? <laughs> Well, it's almost as if by design. <laughs> yeah, except it's not because because we're too chaotic for that. Um, I, I mean, I think that's a reasonable thing. I, I would be looking to keep hold of, of some of the better younger players, um, probably not shell out too much except in wages, um, developing the backroom, that kind of thing. So using this as a season to tee up for what we're going to try and achieve in the next couple which for me would be ultimately probably Champions League qualification by the end of season three. All right, that's that's pretty bold. Um, on the other side, now I haven't really watched German football since I was a football journalist last in 2017, and Schalke were doing really well, uh, and they hadn't always been the most sort of normal of teams. They tended to, you know, spend too much on marquee players who didn't deliver to enough and. You know, they they never quite had that sort of groove and consistency that, that you get off the really, really good clubs, but they were decent. What the hell has happened? This this is this is not a first team squad, it's a crime scene, Alex. And <laughs> I I don't understand. Is, is it a succession of managers who've screwed this up and left their mess on the floor for everyone else? I think the problem is, um, that Schalke have got massive, massive financial problems off the pitch. Um, there was a good long uh, Rafa Honigstein read on The Athletic about this recently. They are they're a team that are famed for developing uh, young players. Um, they've got a very good uh, youth system there in a competitive region, actually, because their their derby is is the um, the Ravia derby against Borussia Dortmund. So that, you know they're in a tightly packed area for recruitment, but they they do punch well for that um but their good players go and they're quite often like you say replaced by overly expensive journeymen who are there to to kind of fill the shoes of whichever most recent promising 18 year old has gone off to play somewhere else and that cycle of overpaying for players who aren't as good losing the prospects combined with some financial mismanagement off the pitch which Rafa goes into 
uh, has left them massively in the lurch. Um, they do still have some really promising young players there. Um, people like Quebec, the, the centre-half, who's been linked with lots of moves uh, in real life uh, this, uh, this well, really for the last kind of season or two, um, and a couple of other guys. But it's it's a bit of a basket case. I mean, there's there's a lot of potential there, but you're going to have to navigate some really choppy waters first. Alex, that, that was great. I think what we're going to have to do is set up, you know, like Cameo, where you just select the celebrity you want to say something. We should do a version of that where we just get you to do that sort of briefing on every single football team that exists. <laughs> and then you just like, sign up, get an Alex Stewart briefing. How difficult is your football manager challenge? I mean, you, if anything, I think you've made it sound slightly more rational and, and cool than it than it is. There are no right backs at this club. There's a kid called Killian Ludwig on loan who is a league one player at best um there, there are some I've, I've tried to replicate the formation that's done well for me at nottingham forest which is a sort of 4-3-3 um control possession kind of affair there's a complete wing back on the left with um and that is uh oxypuka is that a word bastian oxypuka and he will get up and overlap around um, uh, Benito Raman, who will be uh, the inverted winger. So there's there's that sort of thing happening. And there's um, there's a lovely young man called Omar Mascarell, um, who's going to be my deep-lying playmaker. Pre-season friendlies, they've been mixed. We batted Karlsdorf and Wiener Club, scoring eight goals across two games. But we also got like properly, properly torn apart by Red Bull Salzburg. <laughs> which, which is not a, a great omen. Um, we're going to play. I've got one more friendly against Espanyol. We're going to play that after the show and then um, start putting this article together. So you'll find it on The Athletic. We'll talk about it a bit on Twitter as well, of course. Uh, but we'll find it on The Athletic. And the aim is to go through, I think we'll probably make about four seasons, um, you know, assuming everything goes well, which which unfortunately is is quite the assumption. Um, Alex, if you were a betting man, what what would you bet for for Schalke's first season? Um, I think if you can navigate the first transfer window and not lose too many players, then you should be okay. Um, because there are, like you say, Mascarell, uh, Amin Harrett uh, is a good player. You know, you you should be able to at least score goals. I clearly conceding is a, is a concern. Um. But I think the crucial thing for you is to is to hold on to the core of that squad that are good enough to play. Um, try and cull some of the deadwood to free up stuff, maybe for the January transfer window in terms of wages and, and a transfer fund. Um, I don't think you'll get relegated. I mean, there, there are definitely worse teams in the Bundesliga. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's the internal politics that's going to be the thing i mean the, the this football manager seems to be quite savage when it comes to you know board expectations and fulfilling various promises and and so on so we we, we will see how this goes instantly if you're listening to this and shouting at your laptop or phone wherever you're listening on um what about matthew hopper um matthew is uh is has not really come to fruition in the game he's sitting in the schalke reserves in real life he's banging in goals in the bundesliga um in this game in in his little grid pattern um that that little sort of uh, attribute map he he hasn't got anything in the green and quite a lot in the orange 
Um, yeah, finishing and first touch are 13, but positioning is 6 and vision is 7. I don't think I'm going to be able to rely on this kid. Um, you can find out more about that, obviously, on The Athletic, and I'll tell you how to do that in a moment, and also on our new Twitter feed, at FMPodAthletic. And you can follow Alex. Alex, where can we follow you? At AFH Stewart with Absolutely. an EW. Now, you are listening to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, and you're almost certainly a subscriber. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Even at full price. It's pretty much the price of a pint and a bag of crisps every month. And in that month, you will never, ever run out of stuff to read. And it's good stuff, too. If you were the US president, and for some reason the identity of the next Chelsea manager was critical information, who would you want to brief you on Thomas Tuchel? Some kid in their mum's basement who just surfaced after an eight-hour swim in Wikipedia? Or Rafa Honigstein? Yes, exactly. Now, you don't even have to pay full price because you listen to this show. If you just pick up your phone right now and type theathletic.com forward slash fmpod, you can subscribe for one pound a week. And that gets you all of the Rafa Honigstein. It gets you all of the football articles. But it gets you loads of TIFO as well. Alex, what's what's going on with TIFO right now? Uh, right now. So today we released a video on what's going wrong at Juventus. Um, short answer is not as much as you think. Nice. Um, but we go into that and explain why. Um, we've got some great videos coming up uh, on Liverpool, Sam Allardyce, match fixing, all kinds of good stuff. Excellent. And if even that is not enough, but you are someone who just doesn't like adverts um, and you like the Totally Football Show, you should know that you can listen to the Totally Football Show and all the other athletic shows without any ads at all through the athletic app. So there really is something for everyone. Now, let's talk second seasons. Um, first seasons we've covered loads wrote about it on the athletic recently talked about it on the show we're all pretty much on top of first seasons but the second season's always the nasty one it's like a stone roses second album i've just found this out with nottingham forest because everything seemed fine we hadn't been promoted we'd come forth but i had like i had my team there all i needed to do was just improve it a little bit and then the vultures came and suddenly I was looking at filling five gaps in my squad. And that's what happens when it gets going. Um, when it comes to making a plan, uh, Ryan Batty got in touch on Twitter. He said preseason is actually his favourite bit of the game. Likes to get all of his transfer business done before the window opens. Doesn't play friendlies in the first few weeks. He prefers to get fitness up. Um, and he also insists on putting players on holiday if they've come back from international tournaments. Alex, that sounds all of that sounds like the kind of stuff you do. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Ryan. Um, preseason is probably my favourite bit um, as well because it's when it's when the planning takes shape. Um, in fact, really, the planning takes shape well before preseason, but it's when it comes to fruition, I suppose. Um, so. Throughout the course of the season, I've been I've been scouting. I've been looking at where you know the, the the gaps in my squad are, or which players are really good and are likely to be poached, as in with your Nottingham Forest save. Um, drawing up shortlists of potential replacements. Of course, the great thing about your second season is that you've got a full season's worth of data uh, to go on by the time that comes around. 
so you can then start to really delve into the transfer market with a degree of of sense and and you know uh planning um that allows you to to make smart acquisitions rather than just chucking loads and loads of money at somebody that should be playing for Schalke. Do you, oh, ouch, it begins. Um, do you ever actually give yourself a break? Do you, do you like say, right, I'm, I'm just not going to play football manager for a week and just let my brain recover, <laughs> give, give it a bit of civilization or hearts of iron or something, and then, then come back fresh? Or is it, is it, because I always have this problem. You finish the season probably at about 2.30 in the morning because you just wanted to get there. And then you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just stick on just to, just to, you know, get get my transfers in. I'll just stick on just to release all my youth players. It, I suppose the, the the way that I tend to play it, you know, a lot of that that preparation and planning is being done as the season progresses. Anyway, um, I think it's it's dependent on on why I've been doing the save. So in, in previous instances where I've written for, you know, for example, your your site, the set pieces. Um, I definitely needed a break <laughs> because the, the the pressure of writing about a season in in a in a public way and then that season coming to an end that means that you've either achieved a goal or failed to achieve a goal and and writing up to that crescendo I think requires you to step away from the computer for a little bit otherwise <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just gets too much on on Twitter, I mentioned um, watching international tournaments, like actually physically pressing the attend match button. Uh, Oscar seventeen got in touch and said he's never considered doing it, but he's going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's just glorious. Like Oscar's just gone slightly deeper into the matrix. Um, yeah. Have you ever done anything like that? And have you ever gained anything from it? Um, no, not really, because uh, I, I'm I'm mostly going off performance stats. Um, so actually watching the games isn't terribly important for that um i mean i do watch those sorts of games in real life um using things like y scout and and sometimes i'll come across a player who i think i'll go and have a look at them in football manager then to see if they're to see if they're good um because they might be worth signing so it, it works kind of real life into the game that way around but not not within the game no I quite like the immersion of it all, but my my biggest pitfall is that I, I will disagree fundamentally with every aspect of the England team, and then England will do terribly, and the manager will get sacked, and then that's it. I'm just itching to be the England manager, and I don't <laughs> know about anyone else who's played this, but I have never really had a sort of positive experience being the England manager or, or any kind of international manager. It always seems like such a great idea and you get your national pool sorted out and you start watching games and observing. And then after about three weeks, you're just like, oh God, I just want to play a game. Yeah, it just, it, it, it ends up being a series of kind of endless holidays, doesn't it? And then when you get back, there's like 85 messages in your inbox where somebody's gone to watch Scunthorpe. And, and I, I don't... Get... I, don't really get the appeal of managing international teams personally. I, mean, it's, it's, I like the idea of it, but of course, if you get the England job or any international job, it's probably because you've done well with your club, which means you give up your club and you, you just sort of, you keep looking back. It's like breaking up with someone and then really, really re regretting it and seeing them <laughs> with their new partner. And you're just, oh man, I just, oh, I, I've ruined so many games doing that. So be careful with, with international tournaments. Are you... I mean, I am always one, once I get through it, I want to just kind of stop and tear everything apart and, and build it up again. 
There's so many quick fixes you can do for a season, so many little tweaks that suddenly work. And you often get to the end of the campaign and find you've got players on the wrong training schedules and all, all sorts of things. So are you one for like a Formula One car, just sort of, you know, take it all to pieces and build a new one? No, not not so much. Um, because I tend to play with the, the, the sort of moneyball rules that we talked about in a previous pod, um, everything kind of builds on what has gone previously. So, for example, with squad building, what I'm looking to do is is to see who the weakest couple of links in that squad are and scout very much with a view to replacing them. I'm making assumptions that you know my, my best performing players could well be poached, and so I'm looking to replace them as well. Um, so everything is predicated on what's already happening. Um, I think, yeah, there are certain things where Maybe you take stock. I, I don't know if you've had a player who's had to deputize in a different position and they've actually performed quite well. You might consider retraining them properly, putting some effort into the individual training schedules, that kind of stuff. But for me, it's very much about ensuring continuity and making sure that when players leave, as they inevitably will, um, you've you've got replacements lined up or you've got someone coming through the youth team who's going to be ready to step up Um I don't really tear everything down and start again. All right, that's second seasons. Um, if if you've got any tips, anything that works for you, any special way you've got playing it, do let me know. It's imacintosh at theathletic.com for an email, or you can get in touch on Twitter at fmpodathletic. Right, coming up next, we've got letters and book club. See you in a tick. Hi, I'm James McNicholas, and I'm here to tell you about the latest series from Beyond the Headline. The making of Big Sam. You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football. And English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and more, you'll hear from Big Sam himself, those who have worked for him, and those who've witnessed the full Big Sam experience. You can hear it all from February 1st and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now. Okay, welcome back. Donald Vass has been in touch. Emailed me at imacintosh at theathletic.com. He says, I'm at Leipzig. My energy drink overlords want me to boost our commercial income. What's the best way to do this? Uh, aside from winning competitions, high profile signings, preseason tours, affiliate clubs. What do I do? Uh, we spoke to SI and they said, actually, yeah, that. High-profile signings are the easiest way to go. They shift a lot of shirts. It's also worth trying to add notable signings from particular markets to boost shirt sales in that area of the world, just like so many clubs in real life have brought in players from Asian countries. Uh, Pre-season tours can be a very big money spinner. Uh, if your league is highly reputable, that will help. New and expanded stadiums will help. Uh, ultimately, though, the best way to boost commercial revenue is by bringing in silverware or finishing high in the league table. Uh, Toby Howell says, this is such a good question. I've wanted an answer to this for ages. Toby Howell says, what are the main differences between an inside forward and an inverted winger? Uh, Alex if if I had to put that to you, what what would you say are the differences there? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm not entirely sure. Well, yeah, it. I mean, I I think probably um, that it's to do with where they're then playing the ball from, 
Um, so inverted wingers, I think, will look to cut in a little bit quicker. Inside forwards will probably drift across and then push forwards. And I think it's also to do with what the overall function is. So uh, an inverted winger is there to assist predominantly, um, whereas an inside forward is, is there to push up and, and act as a goal scorer. But that may be uh, wrong. And that's why he's on the show. Uh, SI pretty much backing up what Alex says. On support duty, inverted wingers cut inside on the ball to free up space for attacking teammates, just like I'm hoping my Schalke complete wing back and uh, inverted winger will do, uh, and to overload central defenders and defensive midfielders. With an attack duty set, they'll look to force the issue themselves, taking more shots. Uh, always remember, uh, get the best out of an inverted winger if you uh, have them on the opposite foot. So if they prefer to use their left foot, have them on the right, because when they cut in, that's the one they're going to use. Inside forwards, though, they won't just look to cut inside on the ball, but will also make off-the-ball runs into central attacking areas. That opens up space for overlapping fullbacks and central attacking players, but the inside forward will also look to run at the defence and impose themselves more in the attacking play. Um, so there you go. That's a really, really good question. More of those, I think. Um, if you've got anything you want to ask, let me know. I'm Macintosh at theathletic.com. Right, book club. We got there eventually. I think it was about two weeks ago. Justin Cox got in touch to recommend uh, Tim Rich's new book about Marcello Bielsa, A Quality of Madness. And I am very, very glad he did. Um, I did get sidetracked by Sam Allardyce's book, which is a very, very different sort of book. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It was just a, a slightly different view on things. Um, and also Stephen Baxter's World Engines, which is very Stephen Baxter, but this isn't the podcast for that. Um, it's it's really good. It's really good. It's I, I think if I had a slight disappointment, it's that it wasn't really a sort of detailed dissection of what exactly Bielsa does. It's very much a book about his personality and his history. Uh, it's extremely well researched. It's weirdly strong on the history of Argentina as a nation, which I, I kind of liked. Uh, and it's so up to date. It's got loads of stuff about this actual football season in it, which is always always nice in a book. Does it does it teach you much about football management that you can take into your game of football manager? Not not really. Does it inspire you to launch your own multinational save or spend longer than usual on transitions in training? Yes, yes. I mean, I damn well didn't, nearly didn't finish the book. Um, I, I managed to get through it in a day and that whole day was spent reaching out for my laptop and then slapping my own wrist and getting back to the book. Um, get into this and yes, you will have a kind of 16 nation uh, save on your laptop very very quickly keep an eye out for it um, if your local bookshop is doing delivery or click and collect try and get it from there because they need the help right now if that isn't an option for whatever reason you can always get the digital version from amazon or apple uh, last time i looked it was 4.99 it's called a quality of madness and it's out right now uh, alex read anything good recently um not about football no um I, what have you read I, I, that isn't about football? We're, we're a broad uh, church here. Yeah. A cultural history of concrete. We're not that fucking broad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> we're going to move on very swiftly from that. Uh, there are loads and loads of books out there. Um, you've got to tell us what to read. Get in touch and, and let us know. that um, Anything, the, the simple rule is, 
anything that will either make you better at football manager or just make you really, really want to play football manager. Weirdly, the Sam Allardyce books I was saying on a previous episode is... I always used to have this thing in, in Sunday supplements where you got like the double page special big interview of a manager that you couldn't get more than halfway through it without starting up a new game. And both of these books are very much in that bracket. And that is all we've got time for today. Uh, we won't be saying that next week because we're an extender. We've got 45 minutes to play with in season two. Sadly, though, uh, we won't be playing them with producer Cornelius Mendes, the man who's done so much to make this show a success and who has somehow maintained his composure for 12 weeks while I've nagged at him and sent him multiple scripts and had to do a thousand retakes because my cat keeps trying to kick its way into the door or the neighbours are having another party. Um, you will still be able to hear his work, though, because when The Athletic bought Muddy Knees Media... They didn't just get the Totally Football Network, they got all the history shows too. And Con is a producer of the brilliant You're Dead to Me that we make for the BBC. Con, thank you so much for putting up with me. Thank you for making the show sound so good. I've been Ian McIntosh. My guest was Alex Stewart. Your producer was Cornelius Mendes. Join us for season two next week. <laughs>